trained a lot of people. I've got a few of them down to like 10% body fat, like 25 kilos we're talking about. Whoa, 25 kilos, that's like 50 pounds, right? 50 pounds. Weight isn't an issue because you can compensate with foam, but I think that the lighter your weight, generally speaking, the easier it is going to be for you to perform. Post your surfing, like straight after is like the best time if you are going to get any kind of like sugars through your day, immediately after is your best time because you've actually just depleted a whole lot of glycogen. Like glycogen is your carb sources that you, you're basically depleting while you're surfing, when you're, when you're exercising. Hey everyone, welcome to the Basis Surf Podcast. We got my buddy Cooper and Len here on the line. Um, they are online physical transformation coaches. Um, so very interesting topic today because, I mean, as surfers, let's be honest, we can be a little bit vain. When we show up to the beach, a lot of times we're not wearing shirts, so we want to look good. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, I think one of the things that's interesting and awesome about surfing actually as well is that it, it is a sport that's inclusive of any body type. I mean, you can weigh any weight. I mean, I've seen guys that are massive get barreled and, you know, like weight isn't an issue because you can compensate with foam. But uh, I think that the, the lighter your weight, generally speaking, the easier it is going to be for you to perform. So um, it'll be interesting to talk about uh, weight loss, managing your body, fitness, um, and it's interesting because I don't hear a lot of surf coaches really talk about weight management, but I think it is something that's very relevant uh, to surfers. Um, so very excited to have Cooper and Len on. I actually met Cooper in the water at uh, a really nice point uh, down in Central America. And I was just like, dang, who's training this guy? Because he's throwing buckets out the back of the water and then find out that's, uh, that's Lenny. So uh, two perfect people to actually be talking to today about... Um, yeah, just uh, physical transformation. And I, I've seen case studies of what these guys do. It's pretty pretty nuts. So uh, welcome. Uh, thanks for joining, guys. Cheers, yeah. cheers for having us. Thanks for having us. Cool, yeah. So, you know, weight loss is like this really complicated topic, but at the same time, it, it seems like in some ways it's also simple. Uh, so, you know, what... You know, as as somebody that has to try to maintain body weight for performance, what have been the the key things that you guys have found to be really crucial in terms of managing your body weight? Or let's say, let's just actually kind of give you a little uh, situation, right? Let's say I'm a surfer. Summer's coming, at least here in the U.S. Summer's coming up, and I want to get in shape and ready. So, uh, for, for the summertime, what are kind of your high level thoughts in terms of what's the, what's the best approach in terms of managing my body weight? Let's say I'm trying to lose a couple pounds. Maybe I'm, you know, middle, you know, middle aged, uh, and I'm trying to shed pounds so I can ride those boards that I used to be riding. Um, or I just want to get in better shape. What, what are kind of some of the high level tips that you'd give uh, to someone trying to lose weight? Yeah, for sure. So like if we're looking at performance for surfing, it's like, the lighter you are going to be, the better performing you're going to be in the surf, right? Like if you took, take the example of someone who's 20 kilos overweight, they're going to find it much more difficult to catch a wave than someone who's in great shape, like such as Cooper. <laughs> so like, so like first thing is just getting him like just dropping a bit of body fat initially is going to be very helpful to performance. And how you do that is, is quite simple. You know, you see lots of things on the internet about like this diet, that diet, but there's an overarching principle and that's essentially make sure that you're consuming less calories than you're burning. So we look at it like a seesaw. So we've got all the food that you're coming in here on one side and then all the activity on the other side. So we're consuming, we're consuming like, you know, uh, everything that you're consuming contains calories. So you want to make sure that that's shifted to this side. So we're not, so we're getting less calories in and we're getting more activity burned. So when you're surfing, it's very easy. You just surf every day and you, you train right. in the weights three times a week and then you'll be able to tip that seesaw in your favor so that you can lose weight, right. essentially. And, and, is it, and is it just as simple as calories in and calories out? I, I, you're right. That, that probably is like the, the most important uh, first initial step, right? But then beyond that, would it matter if, say let's say my target, uh, you know, calories in was like whatever, 2000 calories or 3000 calories, whatever it is. Is it the same to eat a McDonald's cheeseburger and get that 2000 or versus getting other protein or, you know, carb sources? Or how do you think about that mixture of 
what goes in calories in versus calorie out does that matter if we're talking purely from an aesthetics point of view and you're getting 2000 calories from mcdonald's or you're getting 2000 calories from broccoli rice good whole foods aesthetically no difference in mm. terms of in, in terms of just body fat loss because everyone has that one friend who they eat everything or they eat like crap but they're skinny as hell right everyone has that one friend right but they're just, they're just not consuming that many calories but the calories they are consuming are from crap sources like mcdonald's and what and whatnot but then there comes a point where yeah in terms of like recovering muscle and building muscle then yeah we do need a certain amount of protein per day in in order to, to build muscle so then there it does come a point in terms of like you know how you want to look at that weight but if you're just talking about you know dropping weight then 2,000 calories from McDonald's can be the exact same from 2,000 calories of broccoli. But then again, it's not, you're not going to feel good doing 2,000 calories from McDonald's and your digestion is not going to be good. You're not going to wake up full of energy. You're not going to have productive energy throughout the day. So then if we're talking purely from an aesthetic point, but it's like everything else is way more important in my eyes. You know? So I would not encourage people to go out and just have 2,000 calories of McDonald's. But if we're just looking at the calories point, right. then it, it would be the same. Man, I'm kind of bummed. I was hoping that you would just give me the excuse. I'd just go eat McDonald's all the time, but it sounds like I'm not supposed to do that. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, because if you look at the fiber intake you're getting from a McDonald's meal is quite low as well. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, your digestion is not going to be good. The Yeah, just the food, very high in sugars, very high in, in fats, like in the, the bad fats. So you're not going to be feeling too red hot after, after a right, big right. Macca's meal. Right. Okay. So, but big picture you're saying is calories in versus calories out. And then how do you calibrate, you know, that deficit? Like, let's say I'm trying to, and what is, what is a reasonable amount of weight to lose? You know, uh, how do you think about that? I'm sure everybody would be like, oh, sweet. I would love to drop, I don't know, 10 pounds, five pounds. But if, you know, let's say it's going to be a month. Is it reasonable to expect, oh, can I drop 10 pounds in a month or two months? Or what is a reasonable um, weight loss trajectory or timeline? And then how do you achieve that with, um, you know, that calories in versus calories out equation that you're talking about? Yeah, for sure. So we shoot for about 0.5 to 1% total loss of body weight per week. So if you're, if you're 100 kilos starting off, then by the end of the first week, you want to be about 99 kilos. And then as you lose more and more weight, obviously that number on the scales becomes less and less because you've got less of a percentage to lose. And so, what's the, uh, just because I'm sure that we have a mixture of um, people that are on pounds versus kilos. Mm -hmm. So what's one pound to uh, kilos? Is it like two or something like that? 2.2, two, two point two. Two, right? Okay, 2.2, two, two got so it. So 100 kilos... Yeah, 100 kilos, 220 pounds. So if you're starting at 220 pounds and you lose uh, you know, 1% of your body weight per week, then after the first week, you're probably sitting around 218 pounds. So that's what we want to shoot for in terms of expected loss. But then it comes down to your priorities. And if you are going to make fitness a priority and you really want to lose body fat fast, then you want to make sure you be doing, you are making, you know, this is your life, you have to be really be focused with it because then you can mm -hmm. lose 1% per weight. Of body weight per week but if it's something that's like you know works busy and you like got other things in your life like family stresses and you kind of like it's on the back burner then you can't be expecting to lose one percent of body weight per week because you're not making it a priority then it's more like yeah 0.5 percent is is adequate for that person so it's like mm. identify how much weight you need to lose so it's like where's your starting point maybe your starting point's at 20 percent body fat 25 percent body fat so we'd like to show our clients like photos like this is what 25% look body fat looks like and then mm. where are you now uh, so this is where you're where you're at now and then wh where do you want to get to so for like you know for a surfer down at the beach you know down at Bondi Beach in Sydney like everyone is so shredded it's insane like <laughs> I'm a personal trainer who's yeah. just who's just got into surfing and like me and my other mate who's a personal trainer as well from Wales we were down at Bondi we were like holy heck, like everyone here is more shredded than us and we're actually like, <laughs> but they're just like, you know, so if you want to look like that, that's like 10% body fat or less um, that they're sitting around. They're just like super shredded because it's just expending so much energy through, through exercise. Like they're just surfing all day. So if you want to get to that point, then, then, then you'll need to be, uh, yeah, you need to basically lose. If you're starting at 25%, you need to get to 10%. You'll need to lose 15% body fat. And so then, there's an equation that we have. We can maybe even put that in the show notes and, and give, you a, give your listeners that. 
where it identifies like where your starting point, where do you want to get to, your required time that it's going to take you, uh, and then how much actual weight on the scales that re- will require you to get to as well. Because most people will need to lose more weight than they think as well. Mm, why, is, why is that? Because you know, a lot of people come to us going, yeah, I want to lose like five kilos and I just need to like turn up a little bit. But then by the time we put the numbers into the calculator, it's like, well, dude, you actually need to lose like 15 kilos. If you want to get to like 10% body fat, if you want to have defined abs at the beach, then the numbers that it's just the, the amount of weight on your skeleton that is in required to lose is actually like 15 kilos. Oh, so, right. it's, so it's like a lot of people just think, oh yeah, I've just got a little bit of like, you know, handles here, but the actual amount of weight that is on the skeleton is quite right. a lot for right. the most, for the most person, for, for, for the average Yeah, person. that makes sense. And if you lose weight, you're not necessarily going to lose it on your abs first, right? Like you're probably going to lose it from your, well, I guess it will depend on the person, right? But I guess somebody with really good genetics will lose it directly from their abs, but somebody with <coughs> poor genetics might be losing it from, you know, mm. their legs or something like that before. Because aren't there like stubborn areas where it's hard to lose weight and, and, and whatnot? Yeah, for sure. So everyone has their own, like, everyone loses body fat in different areas first. For, for women, it's more than likely that they're going to lose off their legs at the, the last point, and they'll get really lean from their midsection and their back. Like the women that I've trained in the past, they get really lean from their midsection to the back first and then their legs. And it's always the points that they want to lose weight. Like women always want lean legs and guys always want lean stomachs. But that's like the last, for guys, like lean stomach is the last thing for it to go. And usually guys get really lean legs and lean arms. Like I'm sure you guys know like a, a few people that come like um, on your mind that like these busy CEOs have really busy, really big beer barrel stomachs, but then like, twig arms and twig legs yeah. so it's just like genetics like we can't we can't really determine where we lose fat from first but just if you lose if you keep losing lo- you know long enough you keep at it eventually you'll get to you know lean lean abs or lean legs or wherever you where, wherever you hold fat last right right okay mm. so it is possible to it sounds like it is possible to to lose a decent amount of weight i mean one percent per week i mean but actually when you think about it that that kind of sounds like it's going to take you a decent amount of time to really hit your goals like let's say you're trying to lose 10 pounds or something like that and you're you're losing around i think you said like a pound a week or something like that does that sound reasonable depends on your your starting weight yeah it's like right. one to two pounds a week yeah for sure one to two pounds a week. So let's just say, yeah. So let's say you're going to lose about a pound a week, depending on your size. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose 10 pounds. That's 10 weeks. So that's going to take you a solid, you know, more than two months to get there. Now, if you're a bigger person, you could lose up to two pounds a week and you could get there more rapidly, but you're probably that 10 pounds is a smaller percentage of your overall body weight. So it just, I mean, you might have to lose more than 10 pounds. You might be trying to lose 20 pounds or something like that. Exactly. It, it all depends on the starting point of the individual, right? So like you said, someone who's much smaller, it might take them only like six weeks, eight weeks to get to where they want to be. Maybe even less. I've had clients in the past after four weeks. I'm like, you're, like, you're pretty sweet. Let's, let's actually start bringing your calories up now and, and focus more on performance and building a bit more muscle and strength. Mm-hmm. Whereas like some people who start at like 30% body fat, 40% body fat, a bit more to lose, they could be dieting for up to nine, 12 months. So it really just depends on the starting point and yeah, setting that expectation initially on how long is it going to take me? Because if you don't set that expectation, people get, people get disheartened when it takes them longer than expected. Right. That makes sense. I mean, and I think, I mean, I'd be curious to hear what your guys view on this is, but you know, the, the, the adage is usually everybody starts a diet at the beginning of the year and then they fall off it, you know, like a month in and then, you know, it's all over. Like what are the biggest hurdles because like, let's say you have a two-month plan, you have a three-month plan. What are the biggest hurdles? What are the biggest mistakes that people make when they're trying to, to lose weight? Yeah, so definitely there's a lot of diets going around the internet. You get like these like shake diets or um, the keto or people go vegan or people go carnivore. It depends what it is. But basically people go to a completely, completely something different to what they're used to. And it's like, well, I'm going to do the exact opposite and then they do it for one month or two months and then they go, okay, well, cool, I've lost like a ton of weight and now what? Now they stop doing that diet and they go back to what they were doing before and then they go, oh shit, why is the weight coming back on? 
It's like, well, you haven't actually changed any of the habits that you had before. You've just done something that's completely unsustainable to your lifestyle and now going back to it. So it's no wonder, you know? So you're talking a lot about these fad diets, you know, and is there an optimal diet you think for a surfer? I think it is a complicated kind of diet, right? Because you have high endurance requirements if you're paddling all day, but then there's also a lot of sprinting. Um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on the, the, the optimal diet for a surfer? Yeah, so I'll let Cooper answer this one because I was actually, I'm just starting off surfing and uh, Cooper's obviously a much more experienced surfer than I am. And I didn't realize how long people stay in the water for and it was like hours and hours and hours. So I was just like, yeah, I'll just go for like a one hour, one hour paddle and try and catch some waves. But and I'm exhausted after an hour because you have to be at like a certain fitness, right? Yeah. But like Cuba can probably touch on this a bit better about yeah, yeah. how long you need. Yeah, obviously, like, when we were in El Salvador, then, sometimes we're surfing, what, like, five hours a day, three hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. Man, if you're not eating right, like, you're going to be exhausted. <laughs> so you need to make sure um, you're getting the right foods, usually whole foods, complex carbs. Um, but Leonard, actually, we were talking about this the other day because, um, uh, yeah, I was, like, getting quite tired. I was like, well, where can I, where can I touch up on? And it's just uh, when you're doing exercise for that long you actually need to get more carbohydrates into your system right Lenny yeah for sure so it becomes an endurance activity like I've done an Ironman in the past and the amount of like that's like a 12-hour event and the amount of carbohydrates you need to fuel that exercise is insane like any exercise that any activity that goes over 90 minutes starts to deplete more, more and more glycogen which is a carbohydrate source so you, need, you basically need to refuel yourself with those stores in order to keep going with that energy. Mm. So if you're surfing for more than 90 minutes, then you, you'll need a big, big, big carb meal before. And like, you know, I'm talking more from a performance standpoint, but if, I don't know if it's possible, but if you had like those gels and stuff to have <laughs> on the go, or like, you're probably not possible on a surfboard, right? But if you came in and out and just fueled up a little bit between like sets or whatever, that, that would be quite, I don't know how, uh, how logistical that is. <laughs> yeah maybe for the pros <laughs> but for the pros yeah <laughs> but yeah for, yeah for me it's just like always making sure it's you know eating the compost carbs um i've started avoiding um sugars in the mornings so just going completely to oats you know with banana in the morning um just like eating a lot of that add a bit of peanut butter and that gives me energy for the morning session i don't tend to crash as much whereas like before I'd like you know, feel it by 11 and be having naps <laughs> by then, yeah. which isn't the bad lifestyle. But <laughs> when you're working as well, you kind of want to have that balance and be able to surf in the mornings and work throughout the day. Hmm. Yeah. I think surfing is such a weird sport though, in some ways, like I, I've heard a lot of pro surfers talk about how they basically don't eat anything yeah. before sessions. You know, there's a lot, I mean, you know, honestly, this, uh, I sp when I just got back from a trip for two weeks, pretty much I wouldn't eat anything before my sessions and it wasn't uncommon. Like two, three hour sessions was normal. I, I did a one five hour session as well. And I mean, by the end of it, I was dead. Like my brain felt <laughs> like it, it was not working anymore, but it's, uh, I do wonder though, how much better I would feel if I were to feel more properly. It's just that you're waking up so early mm. in the morning, you're just That's like coffee and then you just go straight out. Um, but properly fueling in advance is probably a good idea. The way that I would do it, I wouldn't like smash like, you know, mistakes that I've made in the past is trying to like fuel a workout by having like eight or nine wheat beaks, like Vitabrits. I don't know what it's the same in the US, but these like, you know, bit massive loads of cereal and then mm -hmm. going out and training. And if instead, if you have like a really high amount of carbs, it's actually going to make you feel more tired because your body's actually spending energy digesting right. that. So, what you're, what, what you're, what you've done in the past, and what the surf, the pro surfers probably do, is that they're just taking less energy uh, to to digest, but then more energy, the energy that they do have, maybe from the carbs that they have the night before, that's enough, that's sufficient for them to be able to fuel their workouts. So, if yeah, I I personally don't like to eat a whole lot before my workout because I, I feel quite tired. Yeah. Um, but it's just about like making sure that you're fueling your workouts afterwards, um, and that you, and again like. When you do eat, you don't want to be having like so much food that you're going to crash afterwards because that is also plays into it as well. Like the amount of food, again, like I said, like your body is just taking ages to digest that. The energy is going to your guts to, to process that. So there is like a perfect amount. Like, yes, you want some food, but not too much that it's going to make you feel tired. 
Yeah, that's something that I struggle with a lot. Uh, I would eat massive lunches after surfing, like, you know, two sessions in the morning or whatever, and I would just crash, and I wouldn't have any energy for the afternoon session sometimes. So what is the... What are the key things to get into your meal for the recovery? So let's say like lunch and then dinner. Are, are there any specific things that you'd want to emphasize in it? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the goal again, right? Like for someone who's just looking for performance, it's going to be way different to, to someone who's, who's trying to lose 10 kilos or 20 pounds. You know? So for someone who's trying to lose 20 pounds, I wouldn't be saying, you know, go and feel your workouts afterwards. Just kind of like... I'll take the example. I've got one of my best mates from Wales. He came over to, to Sydney a few years ago and he was just started to surf basically. And he was like maybe like 15% body fat, maybe a little bit higher. And he did nothing with his diet. His diet was the exact same. And like his diet wasn't horrendous, but he loves a tub of ice cream, some chocolates, all that stuff. But he didn't touch anything with his diet really. But then he just started like surfing nearly every afternoon and on the weekends for hours and hours. And then he just got really, really lean and shredded just from acting, just for uh, adding more activity. So he didn't actually need to change anything from his diet. But then once he got to that point of being really lean, like 10% body fat, then he was able to start eating more because then he could, he actually needed that to fuel his performance. So then like post-workouts, you're having things like, you know, good complex carbohydrates, things that aren't going to like spike too hard, like that you're going to give you that crash. And also the, the, the amounts of it, like you're not having crazy, crazy amounts that you're going to slump and, and crash as well. So like, to be honest, I, I backtrack a little bit in what I was saying, like so post, post your surfing, like straight after is like the best time. If you are going to get any kind of like sugars through your day, immediately after is your best time because you've actually just depleted a whole lot of glycogen. Like glycogen is your carb sources that you, you, you're basically depleting while you're surfing, when you're, when you're exercising. So getting them in right after you know, you probably see like diabetics, like they use like jelly beans and to get that quick rush of sugar to help them get back to a normal level. So if you are to do that like straight after exercise is the best time to do that. And then having some sort of like more complex meal that's going to help to regulate your blood sugar levels for later on in the day. So yeah, basically just getting yourself to a because when you surf, you, your blood sugar levels will deplete when any ex- exercise, you get them back up to, to normal levels straight away. And then through normal carbohydrates like rice and potatoes or even bread, like that's going to help you keep your, your blood sugar levels more stable throughout the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, so we've been focused primarily on carbs, but what about, and you're talking about complex meals, what about the role of protein and fats if you're, and we can, let's just keep it on the topic right now of just like recovery when we're talking about surfing. And then we'll get into how that, how you think about your macros if you're trying to lose weight, which is kind of a, a separate approach, right? But let's say you're on a surf trip or you're just surfing a lot. You're surfing every day. You know, how much protein, how much uh, fat should you figure into the equation when you're thinking about this? Yeah, for sure. So depends on if you're actually weight training as well because then you're breaking down a lot more muscle tissue and then your protein requirements become a lot higher. But if we're just talking from a surfing point of view, like it, it, it becomes in levels, right? If someone is doing no activity, their protein requirements are quite low because they have, they're not breaking down any muscle. But then as you like start to exercise more, like surfing is gonna, you are gonna break down some muscle, but it's not gonna be as a larger degree to, to weight training. So you, your protein level requirements do increase, but then they're gonna re- increase much more again when you add two or three weight sessions in to then also help with strength with surfing as well. So maybe Cooper can probably talk a bit more about like protein requirements just for surfing alone, because I'm sure you would have done that for a, a long period of your life, but then touching on the surf, the protein requirements if you start doing weight training as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cooper is yeah. on a never ending surf trip right yeah. now. <laughs> so yeah, that, that is a good question. Like how much protein are you taking in and are you losing muscle mass because you're just surfing all the time? And, you know, I guess that, yeah, that's the question. Like, yeah. How do you maintain muscle mass in a healthy way when you're just surfing nonstop for so much? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's actually taken me a while to kind of figure it out. Like when I went to Costa Rica, um, in what, just before COVID hit, I, it was only six weeks, but the amount of muscle mass I lost in that period was insane. And then I realized it's because I was traveling with a vegetarian at the time and, you know, uh, I wasn't opposed to eating vegetarian. I'm just like, you know, we'll go to restaurants with a vegetarian as well. And you're just getting so much less protein that way. And sure, I was eating so much food, but I just wasn't actually getting 
the protein for that my muscles required. And sure, also like you know, I stopped working out then as well. I was just focused on surfing, and that just yeah completely drained me. So what I've kind of done differently this time. Um, now I'm like three months into this trip, and you know, in fact, I've probably gained a bit more muscle because I've kept up the regular training. Is just make sure every meal have a source of protein, um, and then yeah, if you if you're lacking, just make sure yeah, just keep on top of it. So in the mornings, have oats. I mean, London probably is opposed to that. Uh, it's not the yeah. What do you think, Lenny? It depends on how you feel after it. Yeah. Like for me, I feel really tired and sluggish after it, but you feel full of energy. So yeah. it just depends on the person and their responses to to carbs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a bit of protein in that. Um, Ideally, if I was back home, put a scoop of whey protein in that if I'm doing the weight training sessions as well, just to make sure I get that. And then for lunch, yeah, just like a piece of meat. Uh, it could be like fish. Um, when we were in North Salvador, that was, that was the best because the fishermen would come in. It's whatever they brought off the fish, um, off the boat that day. It's like, you know, getting these three kilo tuners, snappers, mackerel. Nice. So it was really easy there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, just every meal, having a bit of protein. And you also just notice how much better you feel, how much less sore your muscles are afterwards as well. So yeah. that was the biggest game changer for me. Interesting. And do you think, well, were you able to get as much protein as you would when you're at home or are you eating less because you're on a surf trip? Uh, I'd just say it's probably harder to get the protein. Um, yeah. But in saying that, a lot of Mexican food is just meat-based anyway. So I've been being able to get get it like that. Um, but back home, of course, you know, if you've got protein powder, it's just easy to chuck it into a lot of meals. If you realize you're, right. you're lacking that day or just, yeah, yeah, um, not had any meat, uh, for instance, then, yeah, hmm. putting that in. That's interesting. That's an interesting thought. Maybe bringing protein powder if you're on a surf trip, just to <laughs> just to maintain your your protein levels when you're out there. Yeah. And you're actually training. You're still lifting weights while you're on the surf trip. Yeah, of course. Of course, I'm limited to what I have. Um, I'm not training in any gyms at the moment. Um, just all I've got available at the moment is just a chin up bar and a dip bar. So it's just a lot of those doing dips, a lot of squats, a lot of um, yeah lunges and deadlifts. Huh. That's an interesting topic is like how you stay fit during a surf trip, you know, yeah. and how you know, lose all your gains lifting weights because when you're gone for that long, you're going to, you're going to lose some of your strength and mm. huh, that's, that's interesting. So at the moment, but you, at the moment, it's just about maintaining, uh, maintaining what I've got. Um, I'm not really focused on building muscle or anything at the moment. Uh, so it's just whatever I'm training, just training to failure, which basically means on the last set. Uh, doing as many reps as I can until I can't do any more. And then if I still got energy that day, if I haven't been surfing as much, doing some drop sets and, um, well, actually, I can't really do drop sets without uh, the extra weight. But, yeah, just make sure mm-hmm. I'm training to fatigue every time. Really? So you'll do, but you have you been able to maintain your muscle mass doing push-ups even though there's no heavy weights? Uh, so, yeah, well, I've been or able to maintain help it. alleviate yeah. the decline. Uh, I'd say a bit of maintaining. Yeah, I don't think I've had a... Yeah. If anything, I'm looking better because I've lost <laughs> more fat. So. So, this, so this really depends on the person's... Um, how trained they are. Like, Cooper's in great shape, but Cooper hasn't spent years and years in the gym. So mm. him for him to, like, not spend time in the gym now, he's not going to go backwards as much because he hasn't built a standard gym physique, you know? So... Whereas for someone like me, if I don't spend that amount of time in the gym, my physique massively deteriorates. Even if I'm just doing push-ups and stuff, it's not enough stimulus to keep me at that certain point. So it depends yeah. on what you've been doing prior to it. But if, if like Cooper's main training, you've been doing like, um, you, you've actually, you, you, you're able to kind of replicate what you've been doing before quite similarly, mm. right? Yeah, a lot of calisthenics so, based stuff. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So... Mm. It depends what you have access to and what you don't have access to when you start traveling. Right. Oh, that's super interesting. Mm. Well, Cooper is pretty, pretty jacked for uh, <laughs> not lifting weights and just doing push-ups. So that's that's and and you know, he's doing all that matters. I mean, he's ripping in the water, so that's that's the most important thing. Mm. Um, I will touch oh, on another thing there. So a lot of huh. the training I do uh, is actually to fix the imbalances uh, from surfing as well, because you can imagine surfing's 
not really a natural movement paddling all day and in that last position uh you get a lot of imbalances with your core um just yeah overusing certain muscles um so you just want to balance everything out so uh the listeners want to hear a few exercises i do the do that i can mention those Hey everyone, it's Van. Hopefully you've been enjoying the podcast. Hopefully you've been listening to some good stories, getting some good tips that are helping you improve as a surfer. If so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, it'll only take you literally a few seconds, and share it with your friends. That's the best way you can support me so I can continue to create awesome new content for you. So, thanks. Yeah, what do you, so what, do you, what is your calisthenic routine to maintain your strength while you're on a surf trip and or you're at home and you just can't get to the gym a bunch and you're just trying to maintain. What do you do? Yeah, yeah. So uh, at a minimum, doing three full body workouts per week. And yeah, you don't really want to split it up into upper and lower because then what you do if you're surfing, paddling all day, and then you add a, you know, uh, pull ups to that, your lats are just going to be absolutely destroyed. So it's just make sure you're not putting too much energy into that. Um, and then, yeah, just make sure you get some good leg exercises uh, to help with the imbalances. So me personally, I had a bad knee. Um, so just like helping with mobility about that and making sure I don't have myself in the water. So split squats, one of the best exercises you can do. Uh, there's one called ATG split squat. Um, again, full range of motion. You can just look it up. There's some good programs mm-hmm. online for that. Um, but yeah, again, full range of motion for your knee. Um, feeling those stretches when you're going down. So yeah, ATG split squat, uh, single leg RDLs, Romanian deadlifts. So working on those hamstrings, it also helps with the imbalances and stability. So in surfing, of course, you're gonna need some stability as well. So just having um, that aspect, a lot of single legged stuff is good for that. Just cause um, throws it off a bit. And then uh, you get to your core, and then you wanna make sure you're doing dynamic plank um, stuff so moving your body parts around while you're in the plank position, um, building that strength up there, and then yeah, coming to the um, upper body. So getting that thoracic mobility back, working on your trap three raises, is a good one just to bring everything back in line. So that that's a what is that trap three raises, Leonard? You you're probably better at explaining this movement than I. Yeah, I've actually, heard of that. Yeah, we've, we've lost you on camera as well, Coops. But, um, oh, I can see him still. So oh, all oh, right, maybe it's just mine. <laughs> so trap three raises are when you are basically lying on a bench, like prone on a bench, like head down, and you bring your arms up like overhead. You bring your dumbbell into this position, and then basically you're strengthening your external rotators in an overhead position. So mm-hmm. and your and your upper back muscles, so that when you are propped up like, on a on a board, you are like in a in a strong position to, to surf. So like if you've been surfing for years and years and years, maybe people might already have strong upper back mm-hmm. muscles but they might not have already like strong rotator cuff muscles and that might be right. why shoulder injuries occur. Like, like we were talking the other day, Van, about maybe why um, your shoulders have got some issues. Maybe there's not a lot of strength in that range overhead. So like strengthening up that over, overhead range because that's going to be essential when you're paddling, you know, you're yeah. propped up paddling. So that's super important. But then like doing like a lot of rows and upper back, yeah, upper back rows where your elbows are more flared out. That's yep. going to be super important to yeah, getting that, yeah, basically... Yeah, Allowing your thoracic spine, your thoracic spine is your like your upper portion of the spine to be strong and be able to like stay upright while you're paddling as well. You know, it's interesting. So um, I know we were talking about my shoulder issues, and I've done a lot of external rotator cuff work, uh, but more in that downward position, so bringing my arms back down. But then you mentioned actually working the external rotators to lift my arm up, and I've been doing that a ton, and my shoulder feels a lot better. And really? I feel like. Yeah, I feel like I'm realizing that there probably was an imbalance in my external rotators where the bottom one was kind of stronger, but then I hadn't trained the upper one, and that was creating some issues. So I'm mm. actually really psyched. Hopefully this is going to fix this, you know, yes. never-ending pit of, you know, frustration, which is I'm sure every surfer's nightmare than having shoulder issues. So many people struggle mm. with it. Yeah. yeah, right. But it's like... Coop- same thing okay. that you were saying when you were like, you had that exercise that you kind of said you kind of half made up where you have your arms going back, then yeah. to the side, and then up, up here. Yeah. Like most people, they're going to be already quite strong in this. That there's these first two positions, like by your side and then to the, to the yeah, uh, down and to the side. But then 
up here is like where people like a lot of strength. So yeah. where if you identify weak places and just, yes, putting more time into strengthen those up, is going to be a huge game changer. Yeah, yeah. Cooper, did you ever have shoulder issues? I've been quite lucky uh, with shoulders, but knees yeah. is what, <laughs> yeah, I used to be a sponsored skateboarder, so years of skateboarding have really done some damage down there. All my, I have so many surfer friends that are ex-skaters, some of them ex-pro skaters, and they all quit skating because their bodies get destroyed from skating, yeah. and they're like, all right, <laughs> you yeah, look after it. Yeah, it's probably why I'm surfing a lot more now. <laughs> I didn't realize you're an ex-pro. Oh, yeah, not sense. pro. It's okay. sponsored, but yeah. Oh, sponsored. Yeah, that's so good know. enough. <laughs> it just sounds. Yeah, I'm gonna call you an ex-pro. That's what I'm gonna call you. <laughs> he got nice. one. He got one pair of shoes one time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so bringing it back a little bit because we were talking about, uh, you know, we were talking about diet in the context of like if you're surfing a ton, like you're surfing every day, you're on a surf trip and whatnot. Um, what about let's say you're a weekend warrior, you're surfing more like once a week, let's say, right? Mm. Um, so in that situation, you're not consuming, you're not burning as many calories, right? Um, you're still going to shoot for a, a deficit. And how big of a deficit in terms of your calories are you shooting for? Because isn't there, there's like a maintenance level of calories, which is, I think your basal metabolic something, you're... It's your maintenance level that where you're not going to gain weight or you're going to lose weight, right? And then from there, how much are you going to try to decrease or cut your calories um, to to lose weight in a safe way? I guess. Yeah. So if your if your maintenance calories, if you're in order to maintain your normal weight, for a guy, you're probably sitting at around 2,500, 24 to twenty six is going to be your average person. Some people will be higher. Some people will be lower. Let's just take 2,500 calories as a maintenance point. To lose weight at a good sustainable manner, 30, a 30% deficit is, is solid. So if you're in a 30% deficit and your maintenance is 2,500, you're looking at about 1,750 calories per day in order to lose that 1% of body weight per week. And like we touched on before, is like if, it's, if you're not actually adhering to that 1,750 and you're like, oh, they've got other priorities and it's not as important, maybe you're actually only having like 2,000 or 2,100 or 2,200, then your rate of loss is going to be much lower. And then maybe instead of losing 1% of total body weight per week, maybe it's going to be now 0.5%. So, but essentially that anywhere between 20 to 30% of, of, of a deficit size is, is quite appropriate in order to lose a good amount of weight loss. Mm-hmm. What's the uh, downside of cutting even more? Let's say you're going to cut like 40% or something like that, 50%. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be people thinking, well, why don't I just try to lose the weight quicker? You know, yeah, what's the so- downside of that? So whenever we lose, whenever we try and lose weight, we want to try and hold on to as much muscle as possible. But whenever we're, whenever we are dieting, we're putting our body into a catabolic state, and catabolic means like we're losing off our skeleton, and our body doesn't know how to differentiate so much between what's going to be lost. Like we're trying to prioritize fat loss, but then you're going to get a bit of muscle loss with that. But if we go too deep in that deficit and we bring it to forty or fifty. The, rate, the, the amount of muscle that you're going to lose is going to be a lot higher. So whenever you are staying with, it, like with a 20 to 30% deficit size, that's why we need to make sure that we're still exercising, we're still you know, surfing or we're weight training or we're having a, a, a sufficient amount of protein per day as well to be able to hold on to as much muscle as possible. Otherwise, we're going we're gonna to lose a lot of muscle and you'll just become like a smaller version of yourself like with, right. with, with less muscle as well, you know? So... Right, so, and, and even though you might lose weight, you're gonna you're not gonna be able to paddle as well because you're not gonna have the muscle and you're not gonna have the endurance and all these things. So, but that is natural as well. Like whenever I've dieted in the past and got down, like it is natural that you will lose strength of certain lifts. Like if you're squatting 150 kilos and you lose 10 kilos, you're not gonna be squatting 150 kilos. You're gonna be squatting something much less than that because you're you still are gonna be dropping some muscle. But then it's just about like seeing like as percentage of your your weight how strong you are, and if that percentage of, of strength is still relatively the same, like if you are losing ten kilos, but then now those percentage numbers are still the same, it doesn't matter as much. If you right. get me, right? That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you don't want to cut too much, and then obviously if you cut less, that might be an outcome of just your life and you being busy and you stress eating and whatnot. Um, 
but it seems like 20 to 30 percent okay and um we were talking a lot about protein requirements like what what kind of protein should you aim for if you know you're you're reasonably active you know we're talking about a weekend warrior they're they're not surfing every single day but they surf like once or twice a week um what what kind of protein should you be shooting for yeah, so Cooper touched on the kind of frequency, like having protein. Every meal that you have during the day, like three or four meals max, you should be having protein. Like protein in every meal, and it should be a decent size of, of, uh, of protein as well. But then the sources, like if you eat meats, then lean meats are good. Like occasionally having something that's a bit fattier, like some red meat is also good for iron levels and stuff like that as well. But then if you are vegetarian, like I've trained lots of vegetarian clients in the past who we just go off, you know, maybe eggs and protein bars, protein shakes, protein yogurt, that kind of stuff. It's pretty easy being vegetarian. And I actually, for the majority, when I'm at somewhere like that's a, if I'm somewhere living for a prolonged period of time, I would kind of do go vegetarian naturally as well. But if you're vegan, it becomes a whole whole different ball game as well. And it, that's a bit of a hot tricky one, but you're going to need a lot, a lot of like supplement shakes, like protein shakes, um, a lot of like, you know, textured vegetable protein, the game becomes harder. But essentially, if you eat meat, then go for meat, you know? Like, it's just the easiest yeah. protein to have. Meat, eggs, dairy, all that kind of stuff. So it, it really doesn't matter. The only, if you're having a sufficient amount of protein per day, if you're hitting your targets, then it doesn't really matter what the quality of protein is per day. But if you are having an insufficient amount of protein per day, then it becomes more important where you're getting your sources from. So... Let's say you require 100 grams of protein per day and you have that through like meat sources, uh, then awesome. But if you have that through other sources as well, like maybe like wheat protein, which is a bit lower in the quality, but you're still getting that 100 amount, mm-hmm. that's fine. But if your, if your target is 100, but you're only getting 50 through things like wheat protein and, and vegetables, that's not going to be enough for you. And that's when, if you're only having 50, it's more important to have things that are like meats and dairy. That's a higher quality source of, um, they've got a higher qu- a quantity of amino acid. The amino acid profiling is essentially better in these, sort, in these ty- types of foods. Mm-hmm. So that's why it, it becomes more important to have these kinds of foods if you're not having the amount that you need. Got it. Well, and what is like kind of a rule of thumb in terms of how much protein you should be consuming though? Yeah, so it depends again. But we've got a protein calculator. We can, again, maybe put that on the show notes um, okay. to, to calculate the exact amounts of protein you require. So for some, it's like 2.9 grams per kilo uh, of fat-free mass. So that's mm. uh, a bit of a calculation, but essentially just use, our, use the link in the show notes and you'll get there. But it's, it's, quite, a, it's quite more... It's, 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 if you're doing weight training, which I would highly recommend people who want to build strength to be able to perform better in the surf while surfing then like to be able to recover your muscles like efficiently like like your your requirements now van like we did the other day like you're you're about you're about 70 kilos um what's that in power 100 and 150 pounds yep 150 yeah. pounds and that your requirements are about 160 grams on the on the top end you know on the top end of protein requirements myself i'm a bit heavier i'm about uh like 80 82 kilos 160 170 pounds and my requirements become like more like 180, 190 grams of protein per day. So again, it depends on how much muscle you have already on your frame to recover and replenish, and then it becomes higher. Someone who's only got 50 kilos on them, on their frame, they're going to be even much less than that as well. So, Got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so we've been talking kind of in the abstract about, you know, weight loss, but like I think what helps people understand like what's achievable is like, you know, do you guys have case studies of like clients that you've worked with like before and afters that you could show that, you know, just, just so people can get a feel for like, okay, well, this is how I look now. What, what, what is achievable, you know? For sure. So I feel like most surfers who have been doing it for a long time, like I've trained some surfers, they aren't in terrible shape because again, they're just exercising so much that their body fat levels aren't going to be like out of the charts. Like, so I've actually trained one guy, uh, his name's John. He's actually uh, he used to used to surf back in the day with Fisher, if you know the DJ Fisher. Um, mm. So he, he's like one of his mates up in the, the Gold Coast uh, or around there in um, in Australia. And uh, he came to me like around like 15, 17, 18 percent body fat. So not a huge amount, but he had like a bit of a bit of weight to lose essentially. And um, so 
but he was he, he wanted to trim down and get to like ten percent body fat and have that you know that that surface bod. But his 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 other goal was also just about he had all these strength like these already like really strong upper back muscles, really strong lower back muscles from again being like this all day on the surfboard. But then he had a really weak core and um, yeah, just weak hip flexors, just the, the surrounding muscles that. Like surfing, as Cooper said before, it just does a really good job to strengthen some muscles, but then other muscles become neglected and then really untrained, and then there becomes imbalances and injuries occur, such as shoulder issues or hip issues or knee issues, um, so like lower back issues as well. So it was about identifying okay, what's already strong and then trying to balance out that with other exercises to, to help build those um, imbalances, essentially, and, and yeah, and get them not so imbalanced. So... What we did really well was, like, if you look at the, the, the movement of a deadlift, like bringing the hips back, like really moving from the hips, it's a very foreign movement if someone hasn't done that before. And like most of the population, like I've trained a lot of people over my time now, a lot of people can't get that movement right. And it's just mm. from not having tried that. But it is a very essential movement. And it is why when people go to pick up something off the floor, they hurt their back because they haven't built up those muscles already. So... Mm. It was all about like teaching that movement on how to hinge on the hips and how to bring the hips back and really how to get some lengthen, like stretch in the hamstrings and use those muscles and the surrounding muscles like the core braced as well, um, which helped him to kind of build those muscles, like doing deadlifts and doing mm-hmm. squats. You know, it wasn't like he, he wanted to build up. He didn't want to actually build up legs. He was like, I'm, I'm good with my legs. And I was like, well, we actually need to do this to cover your, to cover your strength for your core so that you can build your core strength through these movements as well as doing like uh, conventional like flexion from the spine movements, like any kind of crunch movements as well was really important for him. But essentially he reported back that he, his, his core was, it got a lot stronger and his efficiency in the surf was even better. He had like way less back pain, was way less pain as a, as a, as a whole. So that was like the pain element in terms of how he fixed that and how to, yeah. how to incorporate imbalances and fix those imbalances. But in terms of like what we did for surfing and, and, and trying to drop a bit of weight aesthetically as well, was just essentially calories in versus calories out, making sure that you know he wasn't getting as many calories in, and that was down to his you know he had quite a client lunches and going out for drinks and all that, and what to do in those situations, and making sure that you're not eating like first thing in the morning because if you if you're eating first thing in the morning, you're breaking into your daily your balance too too early and you have less calories later to spare later on. So you recommend intermittent fasting for those that are cutting? Yeah, 100%. Like I, I even myself now, I just try and maintain, my, my goals are just more around maintenance now that I'm like traveling around the world and it's just more about like pushing back that first meal as late as possible. Like what are we now? It's like 1.30 p.m. where I am in Colombia right now and I haven't eaten anything yet. So not that I usually leave it that long, but just because we've been busy doing this and, and doing stuff before that naturally I'm just like, like if you're not hungry, don't force feed yourself. And it's like this this myth that you know everyone's heard that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. This slogan was brought upon us by breakfast companies, like trying yeah. to feed us cereal, right? right? So it's like it's like having force feeding yourself these fast sugars first thing in the morning is like the worst thing you can do for you for your energy levels throughout the rest of the day and your physique as well. Like what you would what a much better breakfast would be is having some sort of protein, whether that be like eggs, chicken, ham, protein shakes, protein yogurt. I prefer, I prefer something like protein yogurt or something like that in the morning mm-hmm. um, with some fruit. Like, but again, like not having it first thing in the like first thing, but pushing it back to to the point when you're actually like, I'm hungry now. Like, I can actually, I I want to eat. Not I I need to eat. I I want to eat now. So yeah, pushing back that first meal is is is, is huge. I like to use the analogy. It's like if someone gets paid monthly. You know, they got that, that budget for the month. They got maybe like $4,000 for the month to spend. But if they were to spend 2000 of those dollars in the first week, they're going to be pretty skint for the, for the latter three weeks. Same thing with your calorie budget. If you have 2,000 calories to spare, but you use 1,000 of them before 9 a.m. in the morning, you're going to be pretty skint, pretty hungry like, towards the back end of the day. So it's just about using those, right. that budget wisely. Right. And it gets you in the habit of spending money. Because then as soon as you eat that first meal, you're like, oh, I want to eat more. Yeah, I've, I've personally been doing intermittent fasting for over 10 years now. And it is the best, it is the easiest way to maintain weight. Uh, that's what I found. Because sure. you just skip like 
a third of your calories right there. And I, I don't feel any decline in energy. Um, but that, and that's probably why I also go out and surf for five hours without eating anything, which is probably a bad idea sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe getting like a, maybe getting like a banana in there beforehand, like just something as simple as a banana and maybe a little bit of oats, like not a huge amount, but just something that's like sufficient to kind of tick you over without like, like really fatiguing you is, is, yeah. is it would be a good idea. And, um, we'll have to get the photo of the, uh, the guy that you trained, but like, visually like what kind of before what did it look like before and after i don't know if you have a photo and you can throw it yeah, up there but we'll, we'll maybe we'll uh, be able to stitch it on top or whatever or put it in the show notes or something like that but, but essentially his his starting point was not horrendous right I've, I've trained people with much like bigger starting points let's say but he got to a point where he was like defined abs he was like every photo he's sending me i don't want to like you know, call him out too much but he's like not not wearing a shirt he's like very confident in his body right and that's obviously what the goal should be like to be right. confident in your body, to be able to walk down the beach right. without your shirt on, like yeah. that's that's like that's that's the goal, right? Like just be confident right. in your body. And so. what is a? Do you have? You know, not everybody that surfs is necessarily going to be in perfect shape. There's tons of us that are, you know, weekend warriors. We don't get to surf as much as we like. We want to get in shape. I mean, what is the most dramatic transformation that you've been able to achieve for any of your clients? Have you have you ever? gotten somebody like you know well, yeah well what is the more most dramatic instance or or a client that you've worked with yeah so i mean i've, tr- I've trained a lot of people from like 30 40 percent starting points and i've got a few of them down to like 10 percent body fat so that's like a huge shift like 25 kilos we're talking about wow. um yeah so 50, massive. 25 kilos that's like 50 like 50 pounds, pounds. Right? yeah 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 and like how long did it take them to lose 50 pounds yeah, more like nine months like yeah yeah yeah. So again, it just comes down to the, how much weight you have to lose off your skeleton, and then it comes down to that goal setting activity that we talked about before, and then setting those time frames. But then it's like, if I was to tell that person or those people that like, all right, this is going to take you twelve weeks. I guess not. It's not obviously. And then after twelve weeks, they're going to get very disheartened. They might go revert back to what they were doing because they didn't achieve the result that they thought they were going to achieve. They get disheartened, and they go back to living the lifestyle that they were previously having. So. Whatever, whatever journey you go on, it's just about making lifestyle changes, like small tweaks to your lifestyle that isn't super like, like I'm going to do like a keto diet now or I'm going to do a carnival. Like do something that's very similar to, to what you're actually doing, but then just take out the shit, take out the stuff that you know you shouldn't be doing. You know, if you need to hire professional help, then by all means do so if you need to like, but there's so much free information out there these days yeah. that like people, sh- like people, a lot of people do know what they need to, to, to cut out. It's just about like doing that and being accountable, like the account- like being accountable to someone. It doesn't need to be like a mentor, like a coach or something, but like having like a friend that's going to keep you accountable, like mm. like, a, like maybe a yeah a friend, like a kind an accountability peer or someone that's going to help you. Like I'm going to check in with them once a week. That they're going to keep me on track to to the goal that I want to do. Because if you self accountability, like telling yourself, is only going to get you so far, right? Like right. if you've like everyone knows uh, like New Year's resolutions. So when someone starts a New Year's resolution, like how long does that usually last them? Four weeks, six weeks. But then if you tell someone and you you tell social media, you tell, you document it or whatever, and you you begin to tell all these people, now you begin to think, okay, because I've like told all these people, I don't want to let these people down. But if you're just telling yourself, it's very easy to be like, oh, I'm going to stop after four weeks because now it's hard. And and, and because I haven't talked, I haven't haven't spoken about it to anyone, no one's going to keep me accountable. It's fine. No one's going to care. But if you're telling all these people, telling all these people, these people are going to help you keep you accountable. Now I don't want to let these people down. Now I'm actually going to kind of yeah. do it for the long run. Right. So that's. So, is it fair to say that accountability is the thing that most people struggle with? It's just like doing consistent behavior change over the long haul. That's the hardest part. It's like the mental thing, more than anything else. For sure, because it's easy to follow the, a plan when times are easy. You know, you're working, like, like work's cruisy, you've got time to surf on the weekends, after work, you know, the kids aren't, you know, maybe you have no kids or the kids are pretty easy. And, but then what happens when you got to work late, you got some financial stresses or you broke, your girlfriend breaks up with you or your kids are playing up or whatever and like life goes to shit. It's like, what do you do in those situations? And then it's very easy for fitness and your health to be the first thing that goes out the window. But if you've got someone around you, someone who's going to keep you like, all right, 
I, I get it. Like you get, life's hard at the moment. Instead of going from what you're doing now to nothing, let's give you from what you're doing now to something that's just a bit, maybe, maybe a bit less. Let's take out something, but let's keep doing something. It's like, mm. you know, you know, I actually on Alex Hormozzi's podcast the other day, he was talking about like, it's good that initially to get some habits down pat, you need someone there to like kind of be on you. It's like when you're a, when you're a kid who taught you, did you tell yourself to brush your teeth? No, like your parents are there to like tell you to reinforce you to brush your teeth. But then now, do you brush your teeth without anyone telling you to? Yeah, for sure. So like setting off habits initially is like really good to, for someone to like tell you like keep doing it, keep doing it, ingrain that habit, ingrain that habit. But then after a while, that habit becomes consistent, part of your life. And then before you know it, you're brushing your teeth, you're training three times a week, you're eating healthy and no one's telling you to do it. Hmm. So you've had that, yeah, I, I could totally see that accountability coming into play. And I guess that's where your value as a coach you know that's that's why your your clients work the your clients work with you is to to get angry text messages from Len when <laughs> they haven't kept their diet plan. Yeah, basically. exactly, exactly. <laughs> just it's not even like yeah. I mean, sometimes if they're just being like you know lazy or whatever with it, and they're just being slack. But it's more about like let's find out the reasons why you're not doing it, and then if there is a reason, like, like something else is taking priority. Like, what can we do to help solve this? It's not it's not always as as easy as like. Just do it because people are like, well, I'm trying, but I've got other shit that's on now as well. So it's like, how can we, how can we make shit work that you don't go backwards and you can still make progress each week? Got it. Got it. Mm. Um, super interesting. One last uh, question on the weight loss thing. Um, how does this differ for women? Like, is there any differences in terms of how to approach it? Is it the same percentage, you know, calories in versus calorie out? You know, what, what are the considerations uh, for women when they're trying to lose weight? So that is a big one that you said, calories in versus calories out. Like we talked about like the, the, the size, like for generalizing, like generally males have bigger frames and more muscle than women. Not, not all women, that's for sure. But if we're generalizing, so then they're going to, their calorie requirements are going to be much lower. Um, so that's that, but then obviously like menstrual cycles come into it as well. And like, you know, the, the weeks surrounding that, like the, the energy is going to be less. Like I've had female clients in the gym that just, they just simply don't have as much energy on the weeks that they're on cycle to train. Mm-hmm. And that can be a big factor if you're surfing as well. Like if you don't have as much energy, maybe you're not going to be spending, you know, three, four hours out on the surf and maybe you're just going to be spending an hour, an hour and a half. And just know that that is why, like. You, you physiologically, you just, you know, that time of each, each month is you're going to be like physiologically weaker. And that's just, it is what it is. There's no, no need to beat yourself up about it. Um, and, all, and also in those, in those periods as well, where it's also people require more energy because their body, they require a little bit more calories as well to help mm-hmm. them to, so you'll probably find that people get a lot of cravings uh, around that time of the month. It's, uh, it's completely normal that people feed into those cravings a little bit without going overboard as well at the same time. Like know that you can eat a little bit, like marginally uh, more calories per day, but then again, don't be stuffing yourself with like foods that aren't going to do any, any good for you in terms of recovery and like, you know, yeah, right, indulging right. in food that you shouldn't be eating. Yeah. The binging is probably the hard thing. It's a slippery slope. Once you start eating something, it's like all downhill. What, yeah. what is the worst food to snack on? How about that? What is the worst food to snack on? Well, it's, it's not one food, but there's like mindless snacking, right? Like if I, if I'm pushing calories a little bit and I'm like, maybe that, not that I should, like times in the past, like if we look at like COVID lockdown and Sydney was quite bad and got into a habit of eating like a tub of ice cream a day. And like, that was a bad habit, but that was like one, one meal at the end of the day with like still 1200 calories, which is way too much, but that was like one meal each day. But then what people don't realize is that like, mindlessly snacking on like chocolate bars and even like nuts people don't equate how many calories actually go into nuts not that nuts are bad food by any means and you can still have nuts as long as it's like fits into that amount of your calories per day but it's like mindless snacking that people don't realize what they're eating and they just are looking you know how many times people get go look at the fridge they close the fridge they can't find anything in the fridge the first time they look in the cupboards can't find anything in the cupboards they sit down for a bit. They're like, eh. then they go back to the fridge and they, they go with like lower expectations and they, <laughs> then they go back to the cupboard and then they, then they pick out something that they shouldn't be eating. They're like, oh, I'll 
fire. I'll just go and eat it now. So I'm, I'm hungry. I'll eat like something that I don't really feel like, but I'm going to eat it because I'm bored. You know, right. I'm, bo- I'm bored. So I'm going to eat something. So yeah, to answer your question, there's not really one food, but it's just like mindless snacking. Like be aware. Like I like to take out snacking as a whole. Like have three mm. meals per day and don't be eating between those meals. Just have mm. those three structured meals. Um, and then be having protein with each of those meals as well. And then if we are on a bit of like a, like a gaining phase, let's say, where you are looking at, you know, at putting on a bit more weight or, um, or looking to, po- to increase performance, then you can, be having, you can be pushing carbs a little bit higher, assuming that your, your health and your body fat levels are in, in check. Then you can be pushing things like you know, having a bit more dessert than your average person or you, but you're still like, you're kind of accounting for that each day and it's just not, it's not irregular, but it's like, it's, it's still structured in what you're having. Got it. Super it, helpful. Because then if you, whatever is structured and then you want to make a change from that, you know what to make a change from. Because if we're just sporadically eating each day and then you go, okay, now I want to lose weight. It's like, well, what do I take away from? Well, if you have your three meals and plus a dessert and you want to start losing weight, let's take away the dessert or let's make the dessert a much lower calorie dessert that it allows us to create a bit more of a deficit in our calories and that allows us to lose weight. Got it. <clears throat> got it. Got it. Nice. Okay. Well, I guess uh, that was chocked full of a lot of technical information about weight loss. That's been, this has been super helpful. Um, before we kind of end with our at last question um, for Cooper, um, could, we, could you just tell um, the listeners, you know, how to find out more about what you guys do and, and what you guys do? I know you guys are online uh, transformations uh, specialists, but uh, if you guys want to just talk a little bit more about what you guys do. Coops? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. <laughs> so I thought you would take over it, being the coach here. Uh, I've been speaking the whole time. I thought, share the load, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Coops, Coops coming up. I'm asking him some surf tips. Yeah. So. Whoever wants oh, to do okay. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm more the back end of it all. I do all the, uh, make the uh, online platform for them and the website and the marketing and social media. So, Lenny, you want to you wanna talk about? Yeah. Yeah, basically. So, yeah. So, we as a coach, we have a team of, of coaches at Red Belt Fitness. We essentially, we're looking at getting people to build more muscle, build more strength, and then drop body fat. Like a transformation, you know, going like a body transformation. And in that as well, there comes you know, performance. Like we, we can specialize specifically for people wanting to surf and build up areas around that, especially with someone like Cooper's expertise and bringing that to the table. Um, but then, yeah, but essentially let's, we, we try and get people from, from point A to where they are now to point B in as short a time frame as possible whilst making it a sustainable lifestyle by changing small habits in their day-to-day that they can adhere to that long-term and then so they can yeah, adhere to a normal uh, body fat level and then keep building strength and that becomes an effortless effort, effortless thing that they do day to day and they can do that for the rest of their lives essentially like we want to you know be with, with a client for as long as it takes them to understand how to do it by themselves so like a client typically shouldn't be spending more than two years with us because by that point we have they have all the resources to do them to everything by themselves for the rest of their life that's two years at the, at the very upper, uh, uh, upper end as well so Essentially, where you can find us, you can find us on social media uh, at Red Belt Fitness or uh, our email support at redbeltfitness.com uh, where we have yeah, our Instagram's full of you know, just tips to help people uh, yeah, lose body fat, build more muscle and just yeah, live a more productive, energetic, healthy life whilst being confident in their body. I will, nice. I will add one more thing to that. Um, we are going to give away a free training program for surfers. So uh, if you're looking to you know, add some weight training three times a week, full body sessions, uh, we're just going to put that in the show notes for you. Absolutely free. You can download that. Um, it's kind of similar to what I'm doing at the moment. And you know, keep me in shape or if your goal is to build more muscle while surfing and not getting exhausted doing both. And yeah, absolutely. Go download that. It's got everything you need there. Cool. Yeah, we'll make sure to put that into the show notes and, and create a link to that. All right, last question for you, Coop. Yeah, get me. What is uh, your best surf tip for intermediate surfers? And just so the viewers know, Cooper is a very good surfer. Actually, first saw him, I was walking down the beach, and I saw this guy backside getting tube up his ass. And I was like, <laughs> who? And he was the only person out. I was like, damn it, I'm not going to be alone. But then 
paddled out. He ended up being an awesome dude. Um, so, Cooper, yeah. what is what is your uh, best tip or advice, piece of advice yeah. for an intermediate surfer? Uh, obviously, the best advice is to surf more. <laughs> but if you can't do that, then a lot of a lot of things I struggled with is actually trying to progress down my board size way too quickly, riding something that was way too small. Because um, I had a skater background, I was like, oh, I can you know turn it easier. But you don't actually put drive into the into the board you you know your weight's a bit no balance is a bit off so it actually took me uh my board snapping and then the next board online was just a bit bigger i was like oh i'll give it a go see what it's like that i actually noticed the changes and improvements in my surfing hmm. interesting that's that's how it happened huh? you snapped the board and then it made you ride a bigger board yeah. and then that helped you really improve hmm. that's interesting Nice. Well, thank you guys for, for joining. This was super informative. Um, yeah, maybe we'll have to do it again, ask some more detailed questions about weight loss, but uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. Hey, everyone. It's Van. Hopefully, you've been enjoying the podcast. Hopefully, you've been listening to some good stories, getting some good tips that are helping you improve as a surfer. If so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. It'll only take you literally a few seconds and share it with your friends. That's the best way you can support me so I can continue to create awesome new content for you. So thanks.